What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Walters, alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. How about you? We're doing. Um, <laughs> we'll start from the top. South Carolina went to Knoxville this weekend with high hopes, I guess, and just got smacked. Yeah, I was about to say they did the impossible. Yeah, uh, I I didn't I didn't get to watch basically any football yesterday. Um, I said on Friday, just got out of town. I went home this weekend and uh, had a wedding at five o'clock on a Saturday in the fall, which is not great timing um, for those of us who like to watch football. And I'm kind of glad I didn't get to watch a lot of it because I, I tried to keep up with it as much as I could. And once I saw they were down. They went down 24-21. I was like, ah, not looking good. Yeah. And if you're giving up 24 points to Tennessee with this defense, who has played tremendously outside of maybe Bama um, this year, it, it's you're not you're not probably not going to win that game. Yeah, it's a sad day. Yeah, and I guess we'll st- I guess we'll start with a few of the things I saw, and then I'll kind of let you take over, Matthew, since you were able to. To watch um, most of the game, um, but in the first, they open up with what seventy-five yards of Shy Smith. Yep, of opening play too. Yeah, opening play from scrimmage, seventy-five yards of Shy Smith, which is which was I mean I saw I didn't see live I saw a few minutes after, um, but it, it's what we talked about on Friday and then last week with Holinsky being able to hit a pass you know more than. Uh, 10 yards and it working out um, and the field kind of opened up for Shy and he was able to take it to the house. Yeah, he outran like four of the Tennessee defenders. It was actually like exactly what we have been, it was weird exactly what we said and by getting him involved early and often he ended up having a really good game. I guess the team didn't play well but he had 11 receptions for 156 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean that's what you want to see out of Shy Smith. He's got the Shy's, he's not really a big guy. Um, he's, I stood in front of him the other day, and I'm five, almost 5'11". Five and Shy was eye level, if not a little bit shorter than me. Yeah. Um, which was, surpri- I don't put a whole lot into, like, height unless you're just outrageously tall. But, uh, yeah, just kind of seeing him, it shocked me, because he plays, I feel like he plays bigger than that. That's the first time I've, I've seen Shy face-to-face. Um... And he does have that explosive playability, and from the start, you get Shy involved, and it looks like your offense is going to be able to just run today. You're going to be able to create some some open spaces. And I guess, it, I mean, it did a little in the first half from everything I was able to go back and watch, but uh, they, they just struggled. Struggled big time there. And it was kind of like in every part of the game. You could say the offense, Tennessee won the game in the trenches. They're off on their offense. They really had some receivers that looked like All-Americans out there. They had that punt return for a touchdown early in the Oh, yeah, half. I want to stop right there. I want to talk about the second quarter. Return. I mean, that ahead. was so the punt recovery put Tennessee up 10-7. What, what was that punt coverage from South Carolina? That is maybe the worst – punt coverage I've ever seen. It looked like a bunch of guys just running downfield and not paying attention to where the ball was. Yeah, and it's weird because I think for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, South Carolina's been pretty good as far as uh, making sure yeah. teams don't return. But yeah, that I don't know what happened there. I think Hutzler, Coach Hutzler, is over the special team, so I'm sure he was looking at that as that is not what he drew up. 
Yeah, I mean, that was pretty bad. Like, you want guys to stay in their lanes, but when you get outside of your gunners and a guy beats your gunners, you got to stay in your lanes, but at the same time, you have to close on a ball carrier going down the middle of the field, basically. Yeah. And it didn't really look like he was made too many guys miss. He just kind of ran through everybody. Kind of looked as if he was going against the scout team when yeah. they're not allowed to hit him. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, I don't like he didn't really get any hands laid on him. Um, Tennessee's guy, I can't remember, I can't remember his name. But, yeah, and that's, that's the kind of, that, like, when you give up a special team's touchdown, Early in a game, I guess South Carolina did fight back from that uh, because they did go up, you know, they were the next score. Yeah. Um, but you can't – a special teams touchdown is so demoralizing to a to a team. And the punt team has been, like you said, pretty good all year. Charlton's bombing balls. Yeah. And the Gunners, for the most part, have gotten to uh, – punt returners and they've gotten to the ball inside the 20 to make a decent recovery and and flip field position for South Carolina and just you just get gutted on a play like that that is that was just a terrible yeah attempt it definitely takes some momentum out the game but special teams is that one third of the game a lot of people kind of throw away you know you got the offense defense obviously but you have to make sure you play well on special teams because that can really uh really get a team going or obviously down all we always kind of go at the whole frank beamer what he used to call that beamer ball beamer ball that's the major part you don't see it quite as much nowadays but you know with the kickoff return if you catch it i don't know the inside the 20 you get it at the 20 basically inside the 20 you might as well be in the end zone now yeah. So you get the ball if you if you fair catch a ball inside the twenty, um, it might be the twenty five. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's at least okay. Um, you you can where the rule used to be you can fair catch a ball in the in the end zone in the end zone only, and you get to start at the twenty five when it used to be the twenty, but they moved it up to the twenty five four or five years ago, and then I think two years ago now if you yeah. catch a ball inside the twenty five, you fair catch that ball you bring it out to the twenty five um, to limit. Big hits. Yeah, because it's a high collision play. Yeah, I think we kind of grew up on the whole twenty yard line thing, so it's like almost second nature. Oh, the twenty. Yeah, the twenty stuck in my head, but yeah. I the twenty five. It, it's yeah. I mean, I I like I never had a problem with that. The twenty. It's it was five more yards, and maybe that'll keep some guys from getting just obliterated. But yeah. I'm sure the guys, because a lot of times you have guys who don't necessarily want to be on special teams, especially if you're a starter. And so it's like, you know, just fair catch. You won't have to hit anybody who's coming full speed at me. It's like, so I'll take it for this play. Also, I don't know if you noticed, I think it was either the third or fourth quarter. It was a really weird encounter with Shy Smith. He caught one at the in the back of, not the back of the end zone, but in the end zone nonetheless. And it looked like he kind of was like, I'm a fair catch. He was like, nah, at the last minute. And you could tell the guys in front of him were like, yo, we didn't really expect you to come out of this. He got nailed at like the 15-yard line. Yeah, I mean, you got to – special teams is, like you said, it's kind of forgotten a lot. I do think Muschamp has put an emphasis on putting South Carolina's bigger playmakers in the receiving positions when you got Shy running kicks and you've got um, Brian Edwards taking punts and a couple other guys they've mixed in here and there. But you want your – you want a receiver back there, someone who can catch the ball. And which is probably the most important part. Yes. And then you want someone who can is used to running downfield and making a few guys missed and being a little shifty. But getting beat on special teams is never 
a, a good a recipe. Yeah, another good recipe for a win. Yeah, most definitely. Also, another not good recipe. Tennessee, at least they didn't have a 100-yard rusher. But I always say if you have a quarterback that throws for over 200 yards, you have a running back that runs for 100 yards and a receiver that goes for 100, as you said, good recipe to win. Tennessee had two receivers that went for over 100 yards. You had Jordan Jenks, yep. who had seven catches for 174 yards. That's about 25 yards per reception. And Marquez Callaway, who had three receptions for 102 yards. They had Jawan, his name is Jawan Jennings, right? Jawan Jennings, yeah. Jawan Jennings, uh, I'm glad you mentioned him. Because um, this is one of the plays that when I watched, went back and watched clips this morning that stuck out to me was uh, the touchdown that Tennessee scored and they threw it to Jennings to go up Tennessee. That puts Tennessee up 17-14. Um, the, the tackling on that play, there were three deep. A, Jennings could not have been more wide open. Yeah. I mean, uh, any high school quarterback could hit that throw. Right. Um, n- taking nothing from Guarantano. Um, but he was so open, and then the effort to bring him down was tragic. You had your safeties just make, like, arm tackle attempts and, like, diving, like, oh, let me, let me make it look like I'm putting an effort in. Yeah, that was And horrible. I can imagine, it, like, that has been, Muschamp has talked about every week this year, is bringing feet on tackles and tackling guys. And the laziness look of that, I, I'm sure in the meeting room today, there were quite a few guys who got reamed out for that play alone. Um, and then, I mean, the only decent attempt was... McQuamus, who was across the field, yeah, and I mean he didn't catch up with Jennings until the goal line, but he did was the only one who took made a decent attempt at a tackle. Yeah, he made a decent effort at it. It really. Tory Gurley was talking about this yesterday after the game. He's like, I've never seen a team that is not able to tackle. So like it's like we have so many guys generally around the ball, and it's like nobody can make the tackle. Kind of even going back to that Alabama play. It's like guys that have opportunities to get the guy on the ground, get his shoestrings, whatever it takes, but just can't seem to get the job done. Yeah, you're, you're correct, and I know that's been a point, just a huge point of emphasis in-house this year, but when you have a coach who is a DB specialist and a secondary that has played good at times this year, like really good at times this year, um, and we've praised them a lot, guys like J.C. Horn and McQuamu, um, and Robinson's even played pretty well you know, over the last few weeks, and he had a pick against Florida that ended up being called back. Um, but to, for fans to watch their quote unquote defensive back specialist coach, not have a secondary that's one of the more elite in the conference, it's, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah, it's demoralizing as well. They had these two, Gorantano and JT Shrout, like the second coming Peyton Manning. Like even the backup comes in the game and throws the bomb towards the end. It's like they were making our, because I think I saw on Twitter, somebody was like, they're making our secondary look like trash with their second and third string quarterback. And it's not like these guys have been playing exceptional throughout the season. It's like literally somebody, as a matter of fact, added me on Twitter and was like, I was like, wow, so uh, Tennessee can't, you know, USC can't lose this game. And the guy was like, I don't know if Tennessee's playing really well or is USC just playing really bad. And that really stuck out to me. Yeah, uh, that yeah. I don't – I think you can blame this game, this loss on Tennessee playing well. Yeah. But South Carolina playing horrific. <laughs> and they um, – I didn't watch a lot of plays on offense yet, and I'll go back and watch them tonight and tomorrow. Um, 
But Holensky, from the little bit I've seen, has been was a little inac showed more inaccuracy yesterday, which yeah. we spoke about this previous week, uh, and he just couldn't get the balls to his guys at times where he needed to get his guy, which he has struggled with right. since uh, since Alabama. Yeah, really. Pretty much. So. Which is what, like week three or week four? Week th- three. Yeah. Game three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the only game he's really looked great in was Charleston Southern, and he's had other games where he's looked good. In Kentucky, he looked pretty good. Um, but there wasn't too many people who didn't look good that day. And... You go into Tennessee, where, like, this is an opportunity to control. You have, South Carolina has defeated themselves, you know, every time except for Alabama this year, um, I would argue. And, I mean, the Missouri game was kind of a blowout, but if you look at the way South Carolina played, they, I mean, just horrific. Yeah. So, I, it's when you defeat yourself every week, it is just so frustrating and for Holensky to not I don't know if he's still injured for him to not kind of make more I, I thought at this point in the season we would be seeing a more rounded quarterback um in terms of his accuracy and yeah I, I think he's still I think it could have to do with him being still a little banged up um and he went out against Georgia obviously and uh he he went out against Mizzou, too, for a couple plays. I was looking back at it. It's been about every single game. I don't know if that's a credit to how our offensive line is still struggling because yesterday, for sure, he had so he had a, a large – how can I say this? Tennessee was able to give a really good pass rush. And so now every single time he looks at the row, he's, they're kind of right in his face. And he's not like a Deshaun Washington dual threat type of guy where he can get outside of the pocket to make the throw still. He kind of likes to live in the pocket. And his type of quarterbacking, I prefer to step up versus to get outside. Yeah. And so with that being said, so whenever he starts to go forward, he sees that there could be a running lane. That might also be because of the injury. He kind of backs out. Also, if you watch the way he throws his release point, Patrick Mahomes' release point is like kind of like way above his head. His Over, is more so vertical. a little bit more towards his ear. And so now if you have tall defense alignment that play in the SEC, the Tennessee recruits, it's harder to get that ball up, especially if you have a lot of pressure. So I've noticed that, and I confirmed that one of my quarterback coaches, and he was like, yeah, that could definitely be an issue. So. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the the vertical, I'm, like, I'm glad you brought that up. Because in the last few years, we've heard a lot about quarterback mechanics going into the NFL. Yeah. Because we have guys like Baker and Lamar, and Lamar especially. Yeah. People ripped on his throwing motion. And even back to Tebow, um, who I don't know, I don't, no one knew what to expect when Tebow got to the NFL because he was so one of a kind at Florida with that system. Yeah. Um, but his mechanics were not good yeah, at all by any garbage. metric. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you look like Holensky's, how you said from his ear, is the old method is, I mean, Steve, if you look at any Steve Spurrier quarterback, take a snap, that ball is beside their ear. Yeah. And that is how he teaches his quarterbacks to throw. And I'm sure that kind of same method is taught all over the country to younger quarterbacks. And baseball is doing similar things where when I was a kid and um, you were taught to not swing for the home run and you, you were kind of taught to, have a balanced swing. Now, the guys who are making it into the MLB have got huge home run swings. Yeah, yeah. Because the game changes, and it's the same with this. The game changes a little, and you've got to be able to throw over far more athletic people 
now in in football than you had to. I mean, you look at some of these DNs now, like Clowney's setting forty records at the combine, like and Clowney's one of a kind. But you have very similar guys all over the country as far as their athleticism compared to the athleticism of the guy in front of them, um, and that's why they're playing defensive line. So it, it yeah, it's gonna. There may be something there for him to work on in the off season. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to make that change. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's a long change. That's a years of development. Like you probably start throwing a lot of these guys start. I don't know how long he's been playing quarterback, but since they're like really young, yeah, you kind of just grow on whatever your systems. And even if like, because everybody does it a little bit differently. Even if yours is not necessarily like favorable, it's like this is what kind of got me here. So it's like if I change it here. Y'all don't know what this might look like because a lot of times it takes a quarterback two to three years to, to to develop if he has bad fundamentals in the right one. You know, it's like the thousands of reps rule. But yeah, and also one thing to think about. Even if you have a dual-threat quarterback, because some people would consider, I know Dwayne Haskins wasn't really a dual-threat guy. He was more so in the pocket, but he can kind of get out a little bit. With these fast defense ends you have here, they'll chase you down. Oh, yeah. And it's, you can see in the NFL guys like Baker who tries to get away. It's like you can't get away from these guys. But especially in the SEC, those guys are extremely talented. And if you're not like running like a Deshaun or Lamar, you might still show get away from them. So that's why it's import- so important that your offensive line is playing really well. Yeah, I mean, I've believed for a long time that the best athletes on the field are in the SEC, yeah. especially, are playing defensive end and outside linebacker. And those are the guys who can drop back in coverage and make a play on a ball, but also chase you down no matter how fast you are. So in, in certain quarterbacks stand out as far as their ability to get away. Um, but Holinsky is not one of – and I don't, I don't want to say that he doesn't have the capability to do it. Yeah. To extend plays is what he needs to work on. Um, I did think – I'm going to go back to when I said this. I did think we would see him make more progress by this point in the season. Right. I mean, it's the end of October. It's yesterday. Today's October 28th as you're listening to this. So the 26th, you know, and you've started all but one game. Um, this is your seventh game, sixth, seventh game of the year. You've got to make some kind of progress. And I think in some ways Holinsky has as far as definitely a leader. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and I think that comes through very clear from his character and his teammates speak about him a tremendous amount um even the defensive guys so i think we've seen that progression but as far as on field progression i don't holinsky's just not quite there yet and it's not time to pull holinsky that's <laughs> pull the road I, I didn't think we would see that at all this year um because gamecock fans are in love with holinsky and, and rightfully so i mean here's one of the top the nation's top quarterback recruits um, he comes to South Carolina from by, the West Coast, literally from east to from west to east coast. Yeah, from California to pretty big high school, and um, South Carolina gets a guy who wouldn't have been here had he not had the things happen in his personal life that did probably. But here's a guy that can be a really good quarterback, and you get excited for him. But he's still a freshman quarterback in the SEC, and you've got to expect some of the mistakes he's made. And he's just he just looks like a freshman right now, which yeah. is kind of a cop out. But at the same time, like he looks like he is a freshman. So these you can expect accuracy issues issues when you have four SEC defensive linemen in your face, you know. And Holinsky's been getting pressured a lot uh, this year, and you can expect him to underthrow balls or have miscommunications. Um, 
but he's he does have to figure it out. I mean, you have to hold him accountable. Uh, but what I was about to say just a second ago is I didn't think we would see this yet, but I just saw uh, an hour or two ago the first tweet is about questioning Holinsky's ability at quarterback from a Gamecock Twitter account, and I won't say which one, but their profile picture has one of my favorite pictures of all time, Coach T-Rob uh, and a Gamecock's defensive coordinator in his Carolina script logo, white oh, visor hat, yeah. and I think he was going to the Masters that day. He was yeah, wearing yeah. his green mask. I mean, the guy loves golf um, and his crazy, just insane eyes. He looks like he's about to burn a hole through your skull. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I I saw like the doubt for the first time today, and a lot of them, I think 99% of the comments were, all right, dude, you went a step too far. Yeah. Um, and it, Yeah, I think he's a few steps too far. So, you look at it like that, or you can look at it like this. If you're South Carolina, you're not going to win this year. You open the season, for you to think you would salvage this year, even just by beating Georgia doesn't salvage a season. You play 11 other opponents. Um, and you have to decide now, you know, you're going to scrap this year, quote-unquote scrap. I don't want to – you can make some progress. What do you, what do you want to do? You go you want to try to win with Joiner, um, which isn't by no means a a bad decision. But I think it's clear that coaches think Kalinsky is the better quarterback right now. Even with him being potentially hurt because he was limping again, it's like we're still leaving him out there. So it seems like there's a big kind of a big uh, gap between QB one and QB two right now. Yes. So do you want to go Joiner or Yurik even who has played? Very limited snap. I don't think he's played a snap all year at quarterback. I don't think so. Um, a guy who's trying to learn a different position because he's was that far down in the depth chart. And, yeah, the depth chart's changed drastically since the beginning of the season with Bentley being out. Um, but what do you like? What do you want to do? Do you want to just scrap? you want to try to keep putting guys in and hope to make something happen? Or do you want to just take a deep breath, realize that you're probably going to finish bottom of the pack in the SEC? Um, and you're going to be hoping to go 6-6, six and six. Um, and you've got a guy who can probably get you to 6-6. Six and six. He's definitely shown signs of getting you to 6-6 six and six in Holinsky, and help him and trust him to make progress and use this as experience. Or do you want to just, I mean, I know the answer to this, but yeah. this is a rhetorical question. Or do you want to just complain about it? And, I mean, I don't, like... Who else do you want? Who do you think you're going to get? I mean, look at your depth chart. And South Carolina's pretty stacked at quarterback as far as, I don't want to say stacked in the amount of talent they have compared to other elite schools in the country. Um, but for a team that's where South Carolina's at right now over the last few seasons, you have a top recruit in the country in Holinsky, one of the top recruits in the states in Joyner. Um, you had a senior until he got hurt. Uh, and you've got... Yurik, who is capable, maybe, of making some throws, but I don't like how much faith you put in Yurik in winning a game. If this is a guy that's fourth string just two, three months ago, what are you telling yourself? So, I don't know, I think you just got to kind of wake up and smell the roses and realize that this season is probably, is, it's just not going to be what you want it to be, and I think every Gamecock fan knew that after they watched South Carolina go up to Charlotte and get Lane beat in. around in the second half by UNC. So... Yeah. 
Because at this point, you really look at it as far as three wins, right? It's kind of hard. It's just, it kind of sucks to think we're going to end of November with three wins. But anyway, so Vanderbilt, Appalachian State, A&M, and Clemson are left. That App State game, that's going to be a, a good ticket. And I hate to be like that, but no, it's like that's going to be a really good game. absolutely correct. It's an undefeated ranked matchup. Well, not a ranked matchup because we're not ranked. But it's like a, we're playing a ranked team in Appalachian State who has been playing really well this season. I don't know. It seems like uh, – I would say I might be a little bit more excited. It might be an overstatement for this App State game than this Vanderbilt game this weekend. No, I, I would agree with you. Um, I mean, the only thing I would I would like to watch Vanderbilt is from a fan's perspective. From a fan's perspective, um, I think you would have to say that Vanderbilt's more important because it's in the SEC. Definitely. But if South Carolina fans. I don't think they do largely. I think there's a good crowd who think this, an uneducated crowd, um, who think that South Carolina will be able to just snag six wins. Yeah. you got to win three in November. Yeah. And you've got Vanderbilt, who you should beat, but you should have just beaten Tennessee. Right. Um, because you're far more talented than Tennessee. And you should beat Vanderbilt. Right, the way you're playing right now, you probably should not beat Appalachian State. Appalachian State has been playing great. Right. Um, and I think they struggled a little this week. Um, I watched some of their game, but you have a team who's ranked the highest and who has a great football tradition at App State. They won three FCS championships in a row. They come to the FBS, and they, I think they struggled one year, and they are now the highest-ranked team in the AP poll in Sunbelt Conference history. Um, which isn't saying a whole lot, but yeah. at the same time, there you know there's some decent teams in that conference, and they're the highest ranked who've ever been in that conference. Um, so that's got to say something about your program, and they're undefeated, and they played oh, one or two decent teams. Yeah, they beat North Carolina, and they got Georgia Southern this weekend, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so and they beat UNC, who South Carolina we just mentioned lost to to open the year. And I think you're going to steamroll through that game is a mistake. Um, I thought before this weekend that South Carolina stood a really good chance of beating Texas A&M. I don't think that much now. Um, seeing Texas A&M uh, beat Mississippi State by 19 and South Carolina losing to Tennessee by 20. Um, I don't know how far-fetched of an idea that is. I, I don't. I don't. As it sits right now, I don't think you beat Texas A&M. I don't think you really stand. A huge chance, but if you want to make a bowl, you got it. And then you have Clemson coming in at the end of the year, uh, who is will kind of move to them now and move away from South Carolina. But you have Clemson coming in at the end of the year, who struggled earlier until they got to North Carolina in the middle of the season, had a wake up call, and then they have just been smoking. They smoked FSU. And BC goes to Clemson this week, and Clemson just smoked them, which is, what was it, 59 to 7, I think the final score was. 59 to 7 was the final score. Yeah, and just uh, they're, they're rolling right now. And yeah, they're playing Boston College, and they just played Florida State, uh, who is, which is weird to say, Florida State in the sense isn't like mediocre, of, most mediocre. Like you talk about media. Louisiana Monroe. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you see them play those two teams who aren't very good, and smoke them, but like they they are playing they're back to playing what I thought Clemson would be doing all year, 
as Dabo calls it, to the standards. Yeah, and I don't. I think South Carolina fans have to remind themselves if you want to go back just a few minutes ago when we were talking about your expectations. Don't compare yourself to Clemson. Yeah, that's not a good idea. No, you. I get it. Like they're your arch rival. You know, you want to win. You want to win the state. You want to win it in every facet of the game, in recruiting, and on the field and off the field. But here's a team who has won two of the last three national championships and a team who has beaten two Nick Saban teams to win two of the three uh, national championships in the last three years. Um, And they are just leaps and bounds above your program right now. And honestly, leaps and bounds above what this program has ever been at South Carolina. So, I mean, you're going to just face reality and – so you're you're probably yeah South Carolina always stands a chance, but probably not going to win that one either. So and I would ninety nine point nine percent Clemson will Clemson will win that game. And I do think South Carolina has a chance to beat them. Yeah, can't rule them out. But you know you're looking at a real rough season. Um and but we'll go back to Clemson. Just uh just unwatchable game. <laughs> Another unwatchable Again, yeah, I was at a, I was home this weekend, um, and I was, like I said, at a wedding Saturday evening, and then a little later in the night I went to the, the one bar we have in town, and they were playing the Clemson game, and Clemson fans are still carrying on in the second half when they were up by 35. I, would, I, could, I can't do ACC football. It's just not – if you have a good team, which Clemson does have one of the best teams in the country, um – I think they have the most talented team in the country. And you, you're you playing just no – none of these games are fun. Yeah, it's, once again, as I did a little history lesson last week, I remember watching the Clemson-Boston College game whenever you had the Matt Ryans playing. And even usually it's somewhat of a game to the, at least the second half. Then Clemson kind of starts to run away with it. Usually Boston College – what's the head coach name? Is it Steve? Uh, uh, I know the guy. I can picture his face, but I can't tell you his name. Yeah. But – but I'm used to watching like him, him, and they usually always give Clemson a hard time. That game was, what was it? Uh, Clemson at 17 in the first quarter. Wow. And then 21. Steve Adazio. Steve Adazio. Usually he kind of gives Dabble some problems, and but no, nah, it, it was just a, I mean, they only had uh, seven points in the second quarter. That was the only time they really showed any hope. They have a really good running back, though, so we're going to point out any positives. Uh, A.J. Dillon's a really strong running back for Boston College. You know, Boston College usually has a really good running game, and obviously their quarterback was hurt, so that did play a part. But, yeah, just know all those ACC key matchups. It's kind of interesting. They have the ACC network. I feel like it's going to be more profitable profitable during basketball season. Oh, absolutely. Because during the football season, it's like nobody cares to watch any of these games unless you're probably alumni. The problem with the ACC is you have a few programs in the South, like Clemson and Florida State, and, I mean, Georgia Tech used to be like this. They're gone now. And maybe, you know, UNC and uh, a couple of those North Carolina teams and Virginia Tech who care about football. Right. And the rest don't really. And they don't have a – like, football is not their focus. Uh, largely colleges in the north, in the northeast anyway, are more tend to be more basketball schools. Yeah. And I can't – as I'm sitting here thinking, like I cannot name one school in the Northeast who is ha- has a really good football tradition and a fan base that loves football, um, like people do in the South and right. in the the states where the Big Ten play. Yeah. So it, it's just a different world, and I, that hurts their football product a lot. 
Um, I think that conference is just so split on an identity. Yeah. And it makes it tough for the teams like Clemson and Florida State to be able to prove themselves on the football field. Um, we'll move on from that to the Big Ten, a matchup that I was hoping would be... A little bit better. Yeah, good. Um, I did watch this game, most of it anyway, and Ohio State just... Wisconsin and Ohio State were looking real good game in the first quarter and a little bit of the, the second quarter, and then Ohio State just took over. Yeah. Ohio State, I'll tell you one thing Wisconsin did well. They got a lot of pressure on... Guys, now I'm at the link right now. Um, Not Eason. Uh, uh, Fields. Fields. They had a lot of pressure. He, I Eason's think he took more hits in this game than he's probably taken about all season. Kind of took him back probably to his SEC days. But that being said, they continue to win. That young kid, I think, had four, four and a half sacks. Jalen yes. Young. Uh, yep. And uh, who? Dawkins. Dobbins. Yes. Yeah. Dobbins is was incredible. Too. Just a really great performance. Ohio State, Ohio State from a, on a week to week basis, just continues to show you how dumb they are. I kind of see them. They have, like, I guess you could call what did they call it? I think they call Ohio State the team up north, or is that? That's Michigan. Michigan's that's Michigan. the team. Chase Young is the guy you're thinking about. Yeah, Chase way. Young. But, I mean, besides Penn State, I think as long as Ohio State doesn't lay an egg that for the rest of their season is manageable, then obviously, you know, the Big Ten Championship game. Um, I saw, I hear Fox, Fox well, I want to talk about this. Because uh, I'm interested to hear what you think about it. We, well, we've talked about Urban a little bit on this show earlier in the year. Yeah. But I watched this pretty much the whole game. And I watched a good bit of the post game as I was getting dressed. And what Fox, their college football team cannot be any blinder to what's going on around outside of the Big Ten yeah. than they are. You have Brady Quinn, who I used to idolize. Notre Dame guy, right? Yep, loved him. And that was when Charlie Weiss was there. And and you have Urban Meyer, like, in your group of panel analysts there, um, on the field after the game, just could not be... I I can't even say what I want to say because we follow FCC regulations on this podcast, but just kissing... Ohio State's behind the entire, like, just cannot be any more blind as to what's going on around the country. And I bring this up to talk about um, Chase. Oh, Daniel, what did I just say his last name was? I can't remember. Um, And just talking about how he's a legitimate Heisman candidate and just could not talk about any more of them. Um, Chase Young, I'm losing it today. And, yeah, he's had a good year, but... Be honest. Defensive. We all know defensive players outside of Charles Woodson do not win Heisman trophies. Right. And we have seen in the last ten or so years, some guys have that buzz around them, like Dominican Sue, and Davian Clowney. But Chase Young, no offense to him, who has been unbelievable, has not had a comparable season to the fourth or fifth quarterback that are going to be in the the rankings here yeah. in the Heisman Trophy. Um, and that's partly due to how much game is on the quarterbacks now in college and pro ball. The game has shifted, just keeps building more. It's always been a quarterback central game, but it keeps getting more and more that way. Um, and you've got Burrow and his his quarterback, Fields, and Dobbins, who can win the Heisman as well. 
and you've got a guy you're lined up against in Ohio and Wisconsin's running back, um, who is, was a legitimate contender, I think, until probably Wisconsin lost. Usually, if your Jonathan team, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, if your team cannot tend to win the bigger games, you seem to fall down the list. Um, but you're not even. I, I don't think Chase Young is in the top like seven guys. Yeah, I don't think so either. That is clearly an offensive player's an award. Oh, offensive player award. If Jadavion Clowney didn't win it, whenever he was, or probably even maybe even the Honey Badger, it's just not gonna happen. It, yeah, and Asu was unreal his yeah. season too. Yeah. Uh, so if those three guys aren't gonna win it, and those were three guys that were talked about every single week, yeah, they could not get more publicity than they got in those seasons. Chase Young is not going to win it, and I don't think it's – trying to stir it up is – I don't get it. And I bring that up because you can't – what really makes me, like, kind of ticks me off, and I'm sure Ohio State fans love it, but every other college football person around the country was sitting at home probably losing their minds about how much we're loving Ohio State with Urban on the sideline after the game, and he's talking to Chase Young's mom, which that part was kind of cool. But give me a segment of that and leave Urban out of it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like how officials can't go call games of their alma mater. Uh, and you, I don't want to see Urban talk about this Ohio State's team. And it was weird to me that they had Ryan Day stand next to Urban. And Urban pretty much took over answering Ohio State questions <laughs> for Day. That was a weird complex. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I just didn't care for it myself. Uh, maybe that's the kind of the just a little bit of the SEC bias in me, which I'll admit I'm as SEC biased as it gets. Uh, but I don't know, I like I could have done without that. What is weird to see is because I know Urban Meyer did bring in most of those players and coaches, and then uh, since Ryan Day has taken over, at first it's like uh, they had, I think ESPN had this interview with the two, and it was like, okay, so this is like the transitioning, and they're asking some questions that only Urban or those Urban would know. But then, like you say, sometimes it feels like Urban has such a dominant personality, he kind of looks to kind of take it over, and that's maybe just he doesn't even do it on purpose. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly why you have, because even in the USC game, do you remember the girl that came and talked to the lady, excuse me, Alyssa Lang. Yes, yeah, she works at SEC Network. Yeah, she was a sideline reporter for the USC Tennessee game, and which I thought was weird as well. Yeah, and it's but she seemed like she even said it, but they kind of made a clear distinction between the two, to where it's like, okay, we're not going to keep talking. It's about a little it. different for her. Um, I like I was surprised to see the SEC Network let her, and you bring this up because Alyssa Lang is a graduate of South Carolina's journalism school. Yeah. And she worked for WIS here in town while she was in college, and I think a little bit after. And then she went down to Jacksonville to station down there to cover the Jaguars for two years. And she started at the SEC Network last year, hosting a lot of shows in-house for them in Charlotte. Um, she hosts Thinking Out Loud on Mondays with Marcus Spears and Greg, Greg McElroy, which is great. I mean, I, w- I watch it a decent bit, and I like it. Um, and she, I'm not going to judge her ability to be impartial. I think she yeah. does a good job as a reporter. Um, but a reporter job is very, you know the things you can and can't say on TV. And she has the or to limit your biases. And she has that training. She went to this journalism school, this same one that I'm going to now, um, which holds a really good reputation in the Southeast. And I thought it was weird that she was able to call a South Carolina game. I'm sure it was a very cool moment for her. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I think it's weird is because Tennessee fans look at that, and they 
immediately hate her, which I don't <laughs> think is because that is how I would be if a graduate of Tennessee, was you know, another a f- team, another university was calling my team's game with that university. Yeah. I would it would be immediate like, all right, I don't want to hear anything this person has to say because they're biased. And I don't know, that's, yeah, it's probably a little unfair to her because she's a great reporter. Right. Um, and I watch a lot of her stuff. So, but I do think it's a little different than Urban Meyer, who is more of an opinion-based analyst, um, which is no problem at all, to call an Ohio, or to be on the, the booth at an Ohio State game and just basically, it just turned into the Urban show. Yeah. The Urban and Ohio State show, and they just could not talk about how great everything was there. And I don't, I don't know. I got a little annoyed with it. And I think big, if I was a fan of a Big Ten team, other than Ohio State, I could not have been more outraged at what I was watching, which is, it's just annoying. It'd be interesting to see, and I'm almost for sure they're going to do the same thing versus uh, Michigan versus Iowa State. Oh, I'm sure they will. And so it's going to be like, how is that going to go? Because those Michigan fans are very passionate. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe Fox gets ripped for it and it'll be fun. All right, we'll move on quickly. To the best game of the week, which I got to see none of, but I did watch uh, a good bit of highlights from Auburn went to uh, Death Valley. Yep. And quite the battle. Quite the battle. Um, LSU and Auburn went back and forth all game. LSU ends up coming out 23-20 on top. And, I mean, Coach O is actually beating top ten teams. Yeah. And this is the third one LSU has beaten this year. I'm like, when you sit there and look at these schedules, some of these guys in the SEC West for LA, and for LSU to have won to play Texas, too. And then now Auburn and Florida, like, the, LSU has a great line. I would like to see, let's say Alabama beats LSU in that game. I feel like LSU has a good enough schedule where they should still be in the college football. I, I agree. They have the best schedule in the country, bar none. And they do it week in and week out. Joe Barrow went 32 for 42 for 321 yards and one touchdown, one interception. The receivers didn't have quite the game. that they, Well, Jamar Chase did. He had eight receptions for 123 yards. Justin Jefferson is the other half of the duo. Has seven catches for 60 yards. Great matchup. I mean, a great win again for LSU. That Clyde Edwards, running, who was the running back, he had yes. 26 carries for 136 yards. He broke away on a few of them when I was yeah. watching this morning, just going back and watching uh, clips from that game. And, and he, I mean, there were a few plays where there was one in particular where he's trying to get to the first down marker. And he gets there, and then he just digs in again, and he gets a little push from his, his offensive lineman yeah. and gets another two or three yards. Just he, no quit. He's a really good – yeah, he's one of their better running backs. They've, well, you know, they've had a great stable for running backs. But he's another another one, I guess, in the um, – another one on the lineup, I guess you could say. Yeah, especially over the last few years because you got, like, the Billy Cannon at LSU, and that was kind of your guy forever. And you've had good running backs, and then you get um, – Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And you go from him to Darius Geis. And What's the one that played in Cincinnati if he plays there now? I can't, I'll look it up. I, I can't tell you. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of tra- like this recent tradition of really good LSU running backs, and you're keeping that going. But their offensive line is just helping them so much. But credit to Auburn's. This is why this game was so close. Every so I watched like a fifteen minute like short recap this morning, just straight clips from this game. Every play of on LSU when LSU was uh, passing, Auburn's defensive push was incredible. Yeah, and that absolutely has an effect on this game. And I think that's probably the reason Auburn was able to stay so close. 
And if they would have gotten that onside, which they had a really good chance at, you saw one of their what's that? Maybe a receiver, defense back. One of the guys who was on the onside team, he actually kind of punched the ball out of the LSU guy, uh, the dude from LSU's hand. And LSU got so close to having Auburn have another chance at it. Now the final score of this game was twenty three twenty. Twenty two. So that would have been interesting if Auburn could go down there and score a touchdown. I think that's very unlikely, but the, the opportunity could have been there. So credit to LSU's defense this week for actually holding Auburn to under thirty points. Um, but Auburn's offense has struggled throughout the year. They LSU goes so LSU rest of the year, which I mean I've had the most fun watching. They've been the most fun team to watch in college football this year, mainly due to their offense is really good, and they played a very good schedule. Yeah. They have a bye uh, next week, or I guess now this week. Sure. Yes, and then they go uh, to Tuscaloosa to play Bama on the ninth, and then they have Ole Miss at home. Or excuse me, they're on the road again at Ole Miss, and they have Arkansas at home, and A and M at home. If you get through Bama, I neither A and M kind of maybe a threat, but yeah. I don't think so. Uh, you're no, getting zero threat from Ole Miss or Arkansas, and you are looking really good. So I think if you get through Bama, if you're LSU, I don't think there is there's almost zero chance they are. They get upset in the last three weeks in November. So, yeah, I mean, LSU has kind of sacrificed the end of their schedule being very strengthy, but having, I think, loading it in the front and keeping it paced throughout the season has helped them instead of, you know, Auburn, or excuse me, Alabama has got to play LSU and Auburn in the same, you know, in the same month, in the last month, within two or three weeks of each other. Um, for, and nonetheless, four SEC schools all in the last uh, at the end of your season, which is a daunting task for any offense or defense coordinator. Yep, uh, we'll go Oklahoma quickly. Uh, we're running out of time. Oklahoma got smoked by K State, and then they came back, but it just wasn't enough. And they and Oklahoma almost recovered an onside, uh, which they would have set up a what they would have tried to tie the uh, the game in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, Kansas State is always been a team that I've like. You have to watch for an for an upset. They had a good team four or five years ago. One of Bill Snyder's last years there, um, and they were top twelve, maybe top ten in the country for a while. Uh, what was that quarterback they had? Colin something, but they had it. Yeah, that was a great team. And then Oklahoma, I like this is. Big 12 is in a disaster, right? Because Texas lost yesterday to TCU, which I picked Texas money line, and that came back to bite me. Um, I didn't see it. I, I, I could not believe what I was seeing with Texas yesterday. Just absolutely just not good. Um, and very similar way that, to think about the South Carolina-Tennessee game. Yeah. Right? That's a team you should beat. Like You've had a little bit of a disappointing season. Obviously, those two programs are different places. Had a little bit of a disappointing season if you're Texas because you weren't able to beat the big guys. But you can run the table the rest of the way, and they just they had a terrible week against Kansas, and they just had a terrible week, threw up a stinker against TCU. Um, but Oklahoma losing is terrible for the Big 12 because I really did believe coming into this week that there was a chance Clemson might not make it if they yeah. go undefeated because you would have an undefeated Oklahoma. You would have Bama or LSU, one of them with one loss, is going to be hard to keep out. Um, then you're going to have... Ohio State, and you're looking for a fourth there, which probably would have been Clemson, but there are a few teams other around the country, Penn State or Minnesota even, who is undefeated. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I would I would love to hear the blowback from Clemson fans about Minnesota being mentioned in the college football playoff before <laughs> them. Uh, because Minnesota has played just as good, if not better, of a schedule, and they have better opponents left to play, and they'll have to play an actual opponent if they make it to the Big Ten Championship, which it looks like they will, seeing that Wisconsin, even if they lose to Wisconsin, Wisconsin's already lost two Big Ten, team, Big Ten games, um, and they're in the same division. And P.J. Fleck had them rolling yesterday, so it, they, they've been fun to watch as well. And I like this, this really hurts the Big 12, Oklahoma losing. Um, do you think that this is the end? Do you think the uh, Big Twelve? I, I don't know if I don't I don't know if a one loss Oklahoma team is going to be hard to put in at the end of the season because I think there are going to be a lot of teams that are very very good and we we've kind of thrown it out the window. But what about a Georgia who wins an SEC championship? So that would be pure chaos. Yeah, and what would I mean? Had Georgia not lost to South Carolina, I do see a scenario where there would be three SEC teams at Georgia, one loss Bama, or one loss LSU. Yeah. And um, Ohio State, probably. SEC, and, and Ohio State would be the other team. So that would have been cool. I, I think it would have been hard to keep undefeated Clemson out anyway. Um, so sucks for the Big 12. They just keep kind of killing themselves over the last – since this college football playoff has been a thing. Um and then the most surprising game of the week for me, Notre Dame, Hugh Stink. <laughs> Go to Michigan, a team that has underperformed greatly and has done so underperformed is should be like Michigan football, underperforming. That should be their slogan uh, since Harbaugh has got there because they have just lose to Ohio State every year and then they have messed up drastically this year. And seeing them just beat the crap out of Notre Dame was just ridiculous in a game where it was pouring rain. Yeah, I saw Michigan that. throws up 45 points. I did get to watch a decent bit of that game. But just a, an abysmal performance by Notre Dame. So they show their true colors, and they lose to a mediocre Big Ten team. Um, so Michigan's going to go there. Michigan moved up to number 11, I think, in the polls now. They're going to probably just... They might have to end their program after the beating Ohio State's going to give them here in a few weeks. Yep. But Notre Dame, thank God that they lost. Thank you, Michigan, because now I know we won't have to watch Notre Dame in college football <laughs> playoff for sure, um, which is great because they suck and they wouldn't they wouldn't compete. Um, so there you go. Thanks to them. I uh, did want to talk a little about the AP poll here. So LSU moved up to number one this week. Um, and Bama's at two, so they stay at two. And Ohio State 3, Clemson 4, Penn State 5. Those five teams, if if Clemson loses, they are maybe the 11th team in the country because of how poorly they played. Their schedule has hurt them so much, and I talk about it every week. But they're, they've got to schedule big, big time, multiple yeah. of them because you can't just rest your hopes on A&M. And, yeah, you get South Carolina, but no one can depend on South Carolina to be – very good at all right now over the last five six years so you you can't depend you can't hang your hat on beating texas a&m at home you you just have to schedule bigger out of conference performances or uh opponents because your in-state your in conference schedule is so bad this is the low this is i think this is the first time all year they've they've received the least amount of first place votes in the poll uh, we get the college football playoff poll next week, next Tuesday. That is the 
I don't know, 5th of November or something. I think it'll be somewhat resembling AP pool, at least how it is right now. I, I do think I think Ohio State's probably going to be above Bama, uh, uh, but I yeah, think LSU yeah. is, which is how I would do it right now. I would have LSU, um, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson 4, and then Penn State 5. And, I mean, Minnesota's yet to crack the top 10. That's probably because their name is Minnesota. Um, but they haven't played any lesser of opponents than Clemson has, so or Ohio State up until this past weekend uh, when they played Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I would like uh, it'd be also if we're looking at it right now in the college football playoff, that'd be interesting. You'd have LSU versus Clemson, which is a rematch. Of, I think that's a 2011 Clemson match when they played them in the Chick Fil A Bowl. Yep. And then you had the Alabama Ohio State. And I think we always remember that. I, I want Bama Ohio State. I want Bama playing Ohio State. It's in some form or fashion. And I think LSU-Clemson will be a very interesting matchup. Yeah. Um, I think if I had to put money on it, I would put money on Clemson, like if they played right now. Yeah. But LSU, I, like, I've fallen, I've talked about them so much. I love this team this year. Um, and, I mean, it's mainly just Coach O. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, Joey Burrow has been fantastic. So, and they didn't, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns Saturday, but he played pretty good. Um, you know, what, only 10 incomplete passes. So, there you go. We will see how this shapes up, um, but we're getting there. So Bama, LSU, two weeks, and that is going to just give us so much clarity on who's getting in and who's not, hopefully, because maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's a one-point loss for either way. I think a one-loss Bama stands more of a chance getting in than a one-loss LSU just because they're Bama, and the college football playoff committee kind of loves the teams that have already made it, which sucks for the rest of us, kind of, I think. Um we will. I'll recap my picks of the week this week. I went what two and three. Uh, Texas really killed me, but all right. Yeah, here we go. So I went three and two. Sorry. Big my my big pick of the week was Kansas over Texas Tech. Uh, that happened. So there you go. And South Carolina obviously didn't come close to winning that one. Minus four and a half. South Carolina was. Penn State, I told you, don't worry, minus five and a half. They beat Michigan State by 21 points. Um, they're, they seem to be rolling. This Ohio State matchup is going to be unreal. Um, Ohio State also very bottom-heavy schedule as far as their season. Wisconsin this past weekend, and then they still got uh, Penn State and Michigan. Um, Texas let me down again. And Oklahoma State, that was, that's the other one. Okay, yeah, Oklahoma State over Iowa State gave you that one. Free money. Trying to give it to you every week, every Friday, we'll give you picks, and Sunday we'll recap them. Um, so, oh, personal note, Matt, did you have anything else on football before no, we move off? I was about to ask about the World Series. That's all right. That's exactly what I'm moving into. So, personal note, the Sox, 15 years ago today, ended their 86-year World Series drought. Um, so, I've been seeing my Twitter timeline has been is basically just. Red Sox beat writers and Red Sox fans and Red Sox accounts. Um, I have been flooded with just 2004 pictures today, which has been awesome, and different reporters saying what it meant to cover the team, which is really cool to hear for me. Um, yeah, but tough season this year, but, I mean, just incredible. Just I love four days in October. Have you ever seen four days in October, the 30 for 30? No, I know you're a big 30 for 30 yeah, guy. Yeah, I would love the documentary. All right. Check it out. Yeah, you got to watch that. Um, they cut Kurt Schilling's part, but they won't, ESPN won't tell you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, seeing as how they cut ties with Schilling over some other things. <laughs> um, NFL, you got any NFL news? Uh, nah. We're watching, we've been watching 
the Niners beat the crap out of. The Niners are elite. Like the, not, I don't think a lot of people realize they just picked up the guy from the Broncos. Manuel Sanders. Like they picked him up. Yes, but they're really good. They had a good offensive showdown today. You also have the Jarvis Landry prom, promised the Browns a victory. I'm not a Browns fan, but I like Odell Beckham, so I guess you can call me one. And they, he did not deliver on that promise. Yeah, that's a tough promise. Yeah, I, I, of all teams. Pat's still undefeated. Niners still undefeated. Niners look good. <laughs> yeah. Emmanuel Sanders got the first touchdown. Today, what? Too. Emmanuel Sanders' first yeah. TD of the day yeah. for the Niners. Debo yeah, Samuel. Debo Samuel, uh, Gamecock yeah. grad. Um, actually, I don't know. Did Debo graduate? I don't know. Uh, I think he did. Yeah, I think, I think he, he did. So, he was yeah. there for a minute. But, yeah, he did. yeah Debo, Debo Samuel had a rushing touchdown, actually, on a very cool sweet play that uh, the Niners ran. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're rolling. They just beat Kyle Allen through his – the Panthers quarterback just threw, threw his first interception this year. Um, I think if he would have beat – I, I want – I don't really necessarily like the Panthers. Yeah, I don't at all. But I am rooting so hard for Kyle Allen just so – just so – You're not a Cam fan? I hate – Cam oh, Newton. man, you don't like Cam, you don't like LeBron. I hate Cam yeah. Newton. Cam, I've hated Cam since he was – that was an early hatred. I hated him as soon as he jumped on the scene. Um, I was I was huge on the Cam hate wagon. But Tiger. Tiger, yeah, Brendan just flipped his computer around and showed it to me. Tiger Woods is about to win in Japan still. He's about four holes away from his 82nd PGA yeah, Tour Yeah, 82nd win. PGA Tour victory. It's lit. Yep. Pretty, so, pretty lit. yeah, <clears throat> Tiger is – He's got Matsuyama on his tail, who's a legend in Japan. Yeah, I mean, de- yeah, I'm so, most famous golfer in Japan it, ever. Yeah, he's got the most. Because Japan golf in Japan, Japan is Japan. still pretty new. I mean, I think the oh, first golf course that. in Japan was built in the 1950s, and it was like four holes. Uh, I did a research project on it in my sophomore year at some point, but yeah, they golf is still fairly new. But Hideki Matsuyama is been the probably the first big Japanese star. Um, in golf, so he's been pretty unreal. He's done some pretty un. I think he went four tournaments in a row at one point last year, like six out of seven. Um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. World Series is as we're taping this about to start. So, uh, Astros come to DC, tie it up. So we got a series, two out of three. Um, big, big Poppy has been incredible to watch. Uh, in the post pre and post games with A Rod and Frank Thomas, who Auburn graduate Frank or Auburn great Frank Thomas. Um, yeah, it's been it's so funny to watch them together. And maybe Poppy brings out a gar again tonight. He was smoking cigars and and Minute Maid the other <laughs> week, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, great series. So I think Scherzer's on the bump right now. Yesterday, as you're listening to this, I don't know. We don't talk about this game. You know what happened by now, but. Uh, one more in D.C., two in Houston. The Nationals, if they're going to win this World Series, need to win tonight. So you will know if the Nationals are going to win. But I don't think the Nationals stand a chance if they go to Houston and have to win two. Uh, but what an answer by the Astros, who just dominated the Nationals over the last two games, game three and game four. Uh, baseball, is home field advantage a real thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's tough. I know you're not a big – it's kind of – it is and it isn't because, I mean, the crowds in October are incredible. Every park, I've never seen really a bad October crowd other than, like, once you get to this point in October. Once you get to the World Series and the ALCS and NLCS, the, the Divisional Series is sometimes are rough. But, um, 
Yeah, at this point, all the games are at night, and the crowds are absurd. And this is, you know, people have waited decades and generations to see their team in World Series. And baseball's weird where, you know, in other sports like basketball and football, you don't always see the little guy like Jacksonville's not making, yeah. you know, Super Bowl this year. Um, they did make a run at it a couple years ago. But, it, it like, this Nationals team is only 10 or 15 years old, um, and you're seeing, like, a franchise, like, actually, they were in Canada, in Montreal first before they moved to D.C., but, you like, this is their first, like, time in the World Series, so fans are going nuts. They have waited since their team got there to make it this far. So there's been years, and, like, baseball does, and it just kind of works out to where every team can make a run every now and then. Um, and, it, like, so fans are always crazy. And, like, home field advantage is, like, it's loud for sure. But, I mean, if this series has certainly proved it's not been a big thing because the away team is 4-0 right now. Yeah. So, the Nats won two in Houston, and Houston won two in D.C. so far. Um, I would like to remind you, or we would like to remind you, this has been a production of Garnet Media. Uh, Matthew likes to remind you of that, too. <laughs> and we'd also like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our intro and outro music uh, for the show. Um, we would like to say go like or go subscribe, rate, review, five stars, follow on Spotify. Um, retweet. Retweet when we tweet out our links to the show. Uh, like our stuff. Go comment on the show's Twitter at the lead underscore block um, or on my Twitter at Tyler Walters CNR. Matthews at Matt the Chosen One with the number one. So Matthews and uh, the show's Instagrams are the same at the lead underscore block and ma- at Matt the chosen one. Um, go, f- like I said, go follow, like, subscribe, review, do everything you can. We appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad. Uh, it's been fun. I was home, like, I was home this weekend. I had a couple people telling me they checked us out. So that's fun. It's good to hear about. It's, it's cool. Growing. Yeah. We're, we'll get there. Yep. You know, it's been great for us to do. Uh, I've enjoyed every second of it. Um, Matthew, I think that's all I got for today. Yep, that's plenty. We'll be back next week for more. We'll be back Friday. Um, talk about next we got Georgia, Florida next weekend. Um, and a couple other interesting games on the slate. So we will be back then. And any last words for me? That's all. All right, we'll see you Friday. Peace. <laughs>